Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Good morning. We're going to be in Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. This is the word of the Lord. Morning Hill City. I need to take care of, care of something just, just quickly. This is Chloe, um, and, I, and if you're if you're new here, we have a killer residency program, and they, our residents serve two years, um, and and Chloe started two years ago, two summers ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and she is rolling off, and man, I just want to honor her today because she's actually was so, so helpful to me personally, <laughs> running my calendar, running all my meetings, making sure emails were answered, and that's not all she did. She did a ton more than that, but I just want to tell you how grateful I am for your service to this church. She isn't going anywhere. Her residency just stops. Furthermore, she, she's done a ton of our For the City initiative stuff. She's going to continue doing that just to serve her church. Um, not as part of her residency. So a lot of the things that are going to be going on with our city, with schools and things like that, you're going to be, you're going to continue to run. I just want you to know how grateful that I am for you and how you've just served like crazy for the last two years. I mean, she she goes all out. So can we just please give her a warm applause for appreciation. So thank you, Chloe. Good, good, good. Hey, uh, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. You inspire me. I love watching you be dads, and this church is full of incredible dads, okay? I love you all. There it is. That's our Father's Day thing today, okay? If you're visiting, we don't, do, we don't really do like Father's Day sermons, Mother's Day, like we just don't do that, okay? But I love you all. You're going to have a great day. Take a nap. Do what you do. I don't know. All right? Let me, let me pray and kind of get back. Let's just get back to the text here. So let's bow our heads. Okay, God, we love you. We thank you that we're here and we're able to do this, to, to just gather and, and, and worship and, we're, and we sing and, God, we, we see each other, but, but we are now opening your word and we're asking that you would teach us something from your word. God, I ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Brad. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Hill City. We have been in the Gospel of Mark since the beginning of this year. We are coming down the stretch. We have entered the last week of Jesus' life. We've said the whole way Jesus is on his way somewhere. And Mark was just an action-packed gospel. Immediately he's going. Immediately he's here. He's there. And then the pace slows down in his final week because where he has been going the whole time is to a cross. And now, 
We are in his final week, and, and, and so much of Mark's gospel is just given to this last week of his life. And here we are in chapter 12. Now we're skipping a, a parable of the tenants. And, and I'll just summarize this parable is that a man planted a vineyard. It was his vineyard. He put people in charge of it. He left. He sent people to go get what was already his. And not even all of it, it says that, that, that he sent tenants to get from them some of the fruit from his own vineyard. Well, the tenants didn't handle that very well. Okay. So, so the servants that that, that he sent, they sent away, they killed one, and then the owner of the vineyard said, I'll tell you what, I'll send my son. Surely they'll listen to him. And they didn't. And they killed him. And the Pharisees didn't like this parable very much because they're like, I think he's talking about us. <laughs> so once again, Jesus just goes right at their hearts. So they go away. They're ticked. They've been ticked for a while. They've been trying to figure out a way to kill him. And here we enter this passage today. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. Now listen, before we really get into this, there are so many avenues we could travel with this passage And listen, you've been doing church for a while. Some of you are like, he's going to do the politics thing. I know. I've read this passage before. He's going to talk about who we should vote for. And then some of you are like, no, he's going to, this, here it is. This is the giving. This is the tithing thing. The coin and the giving. And, and so that makes at least a third of you pretty nervous. And here's the deal. I'm, I'm, going, to do, I'm going to mess with both of those just enough to stir some of your emotions and then leave you, let you go home with that, okay? I'm going to go there just a little bit. Listen, but there is something that Jesus wants for us outside of politics and giving. There's something Mark wanted for his audience. Mark wanted for his original readers. And I think there's something God wants for us. So some of you are going to be like, man, no, keep going. Like, you need to do this politics thing. I, like, you need to do more of that. And some of you are like, no, you should not even go there at all. And then some of you are like, you need to, be, you need to do more on this giving thing. And then some of you are like, oh, here we go. Okay? So, none, listen, none of you are going to leave here too excited about, I, I mean, I, it's just not going to happen. But would you just, would you just pray that God would speak to you and teach to you from his text exactly what he would want you to have. So here, verse 13, we have the Pharisees and the Herodians. They're coming in together to talk to Jesus. Now, we talked about this many, many weeks ago, but we've got to hit this again. But like These are not two groups of people who got along. They agreed on nothing. So let's give you, I'm going to oversimplify, but just let me give you this. The Pharisees, they were like, no taxes, small government. And, and the Herodians were like, no, we like taxes and we like big government. 
And, and here they are, they come to Jesus. Just, if you would, maybe just imagine like, okay, Barack and Donald walking in hand in hand to accomplish something together. And now some of you are like, see, you done went too far right there. <laughs> but what I did, for whatever side you laid out, I brought up your Messiah, okay? So I just went there. But the point being, like, when you see the Pharisees and when you see the Herodians, like, you need to be like, man, something's off. These guys don't go together. So what happens? Verse 14, and they came and said to him, teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? And I want you to miss this. You, you, you hear that they come to Jesus and, and it's like, man, everything that they're saying to Jesus about Jesus is 100% true. What you have to see though is they don't believe a word of it. This is evil flattery. Oh, Jesus, here, here, you, you are true. You do not care about anyone's opinions. You're not swayed, but you truly teach the way of God. But then they didn't ask anything about God. So put that in your back pocket. We'll come back to that in a minute. But just, just know what they did not ask about there. They did ask a question. That question is, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? So this question now points us to a very much less, I said it, a very much less important discussion about taxes. So I'm just going to take this moment and, and turn into a pastoral moment regarding taxes and government. Okay, we'll do this briefly. So let's first of all talk about taxes. And, and, and here's my pastoral moment. Are you ready? Pay them. Pay them. Listen, God's kids, so those of us who have passed from death to life, God's kids should lead out in being faithful citizens of the state. You're like, I can't, I'm taking notes here. <laughs> like this is blowing your mind, I know. Pay your taxes, obey the law, vote. <laughs> Even if you don't like them, you can, you can vote. Go do that. Now, now, now let's talk about government, right? We, we, we are reasonable people. We, we uh, hopefully, hopefully, there might be one in here, okay? Like, like these wild, weird, utopian dreams of, of no government, it's foolish. So don't be foolish. Government is good. Government is actually God's idea. It's not perfect. Government is indeed better than anarchy. We, we can go to the Bible and see some of, some of our heroes of the faith. They were actually part of their government. Deborah, read about Deborah. Read about Daniel. Read about Joseph. Read about Nehemiah. These people actually got some things done. They were part of a government. Now, we're going to stay on this government theme. The Bible does not endorse 
a particular form of government. We can't open God's word, go to the pages, and, and get a prescription for the, a particular type of government. Now, Winston Churchill had a quote. I don't know a ton about Winston Churchill. I, I think he's a pretty cool guy. He's got some pretty cool quotes out there. I haven't read a ton about him. I did watch The Crown on Netflix, okay? But, 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 but he has a quote, and he says, democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the others. I kind of agree with them. I, I like them. I mean, you can disagree with them. But we can't go to the Bible and conclude that all governments should be a democracy. Romans chapter 13 tells us this. I'm only going to read verse 1. I would challenge you to read verse 1 all the way through 7 on your own time. But Paul says this, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. So like we teach this to your kids right now. If your kids are back there, they learn that God is in charge of everything. What is God in charge of? Okay, including who runs our government. Paul isn't the only one. Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 2. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who would do evil and praise those who do good. So government was God's idea. Pay your taxes. Be good citizens. And we're coming down the stretch here on this government thing, but just one more thing we're going to talk about. So you might think, well, is there a time? Is there a time that we should resist the government, that, that, that God is in charge of, that, that he is sovereign over? And simply, I would say, of course, there, there would be a time that we should resist the government, and it would be here. It would be when the government forbids what God commands, or you flip that, when the government commands to do what God forbids. That's, that's pretty simple, but I would say yes. There are times. So, so, so it's just fine. My, my final pastoral sort of charge in the arena of, say, politics and government. Here, here's actually what I would desire, specifically for Hill City people, okay? For God has me shepherding this flock, okay? This is what I would love to see sweep across our country, but maybe if it would just start here. I, I wish we would make Christians weird again. Like, like, we've been hijacked. Christians have been politically hijacked. To where it's like, 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 if we believe a certain thing, we're automatically put in this camp. Or if we believe a certain thing, we're automatically put in this camp. I'm just giving you two quick examples, and then we're going to move on. If I stand up here, and I, just, and, I just, and I preach and say, listen, we must care for the environment. Like, if that is the overarching message, you, you can disagree, but you would be wrong. You're gonna, most people would be like, oh, I know how he votes. He's red. That's just the reality, okay? And I would say, no, I'm a Christian. Like, I think Christians should steward the environment. We should care about the environment, okay? Or if I stood up here and said, man, I care for the unborn, you're going to be like, well, I know, how he, I, I know what he must be. 
what, a Christian? So like, could we just be weird again? Where people can't put us in a camp. We just, we, we, our convictions are based off of God's word. Okay, now listen. I went there, and some of you are like, I'm never coming back here again. I'm done with that. There will be times we're going to probably get a little bit more in-depth on political issues and things. Okay, I'm not scared of it, but I, I want to tell you this. I don't think this is what God would have for us out of Mark chapter 12. I think he has so much more. It would be devastating, listen to me, it would be devastating if you got with your city groups this week and talked about politics. I will throw up in my mouth. Um, city group leaders, don't let it happen. Are you with? Please. It's a leadership moment. Don't let it happen. <sighs> Is it lawful? pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? We need to understand this. How Jesus is going to answer this question, this is going to determine whether they could just kill him on the spot right there. And they show up and you imagine these guys in a room and they're thinking, we've got him. We have got him. This is the question. This is the one. This is the one that's going to allow us to get rid of this guy. And what does our king do? He, verse 15, but knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. So now we have this coin that comes on the scene. And listen, they're asking about a tax. I don't know that we can get from that question, from the text, exactly what tax they were talking about. But Jesus brings up the tax that would have been the most emotional for them at the time, specifically the, the, the Pharisees. This was the annual tax of one denarius. Now, denarius was one day's wage, but it wasn't very much. It was one day's wage for the, for the lowest of peasants. So this wasn't that much. But you have to understand some history behind this, this, one, uh, this tax of one day's wage. It was put into place about 25 years prior to this incident in Mark chapter 12. And when that tax was put into place, there was an insurrection. Because Caesar put this tax in place that just said, you are so incredibly blessed to be my subjects that I'm going to let you give me one day's wage. That was the tax. Well, there was a man named Judas the Galilean. You can actually read about him in Acts chapter 5, verse 37. He is mentioned. He is the one who led this insurrection. He called for all of the Jews to not pay this tax. And what he did is he got an armed, uh, a group of armed uh, uh, Jewish people, right? And then he went into the temple and he cleansed the temple. But what he literally did is he got rid of all the foreigners that were in the temple. And he called for all Jews, do not pay this tax. Caesar is not our king. Only God is our king. And we are going to bring the kingdom. This is what Judas the Galilean did. Here's what happened to Judas the Galilean. They caught him. 
and they killed him. And he stayed dead. This is some of that history behind this tax. And Jesus says, bring me a denarius. And I'm going to say it again. How Jesus answers this question will determine a lot of things. If Jesus says, yes, pay this tax, then what they're going to say is that, see, all this stuff that he's been teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God, he's a liar. Don't follow him. He's saying to pay taxes to Caesar. But if he says no, don't pay, don't pay taxes, they're going to say it's another, it's another Judas. Kill him. So they're, they're thinking, we got him. This is, this is the question. This is it. This will be the end of Jesus. And they brought one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar. So here's this coin. It's, it, it's, got a, it's got an image of Caesar. This coin states that Caesar is king. This coin states that Caesar is the son of God. Quite literally on this coin it said, son of the divine. And then on the back of the coin, it said, high priest. So you have a coin that's saying Caesar is king, son of God, high priest. And here we have holding the coin, the king of kings, the son of God, the high priest. It's quite interesting that he didn't even have one of these coins. That would, that would take too much time to talk about. But listen, this is very interesting. And what does Jesus Say, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar, verse 17. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Please don't miss the brilliance of our king. See, they come on the scene and say, is it lawful to pay Jesus doesn't respond and say, pay Caesar what is Caesar's. He says, render. It's a different word. See, pay is like, yeah, give, give to Caesar. But this word render has a deeper meaning, which means give back to Caesar what is his. Give, give something back to, to, to someone who, who it's rightfully Theirs. And Jesus is saying, Caesar's image is on it. It's literally his coins. It's his kingdom. Give it to him. But the brilliance of our king. Jesus says, but, but, but hey, boys. Give to God, render to God what is God's. This is one of the most profound statements in all of Scripture. It's, listen, give that to Caesar. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. 
but let me switch to something that really matters. Render to God what is God's. Well, what is God's? How do, how do we determine what is God's? Well, that's determined, I would argue that that's determined the same way. The same way that we determine what was Caesar's. That which has his image and his likeness upon it. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Oh, do you see what Jesus does here? This denarius is nothing. I see, some, I see some way more valuable coins in front of me. And imprinted upon them is the image of God. Hey, boys, give to God what is God's. What, what, what is it that is God's? Everything. All of it. From him and through him and to him are all things. And he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. It all comes from him. So it all belongs to him. Your bodies, they are not your own. They're God's. Your time is not yours. It's God's. Your homes, listen, your marriages are not yours. They're God's. Stick with it. Your work is not yours. Oh, mamas and dads, listen to me. Your kids are not yours. They're God's. Your businesses, they're not yours. Your money is not yours. See, so now we have a softball. Like, like it's there, it's on a tee. Like, and I'm, and I'm supposed to talk about tithing, right? And, I, and there are ways I could go. I could talk about the American Christian and the average giving in, for the American Christian is like 2% of their income. I could talk to you about that. I could talk to you about biblical generosity versus a 10% tithe and what the New Testament Christian is called to. I could actually do some things and like shame three or four of you to actually start giving to this church. Listen, I'm not doing it because that isn't what Mark wanted for his readers. I don't think that's what God would have for us. If you hear anything today, you need to get this. We belong to God. 
We do this in our house with our kids, Jenny and I. It's, it's, it's the catechism. We take the new, kid, new city catechism. It's on our website. It's pretty simple. We ask them a bunch of questions. One of the questions, what is your only hope in life and death? And this indicates like we are not our own but belong to Like we do that all the time in our house. Quite literally, the catechism, what is your only hope in life and death? The answer that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Then render to him what is his. Render the things to God that are God's. Listen, if you're serving communion, I want you to get up. I want you to head back. I want you to start preparing. So if that's you, go ahead and do that. The verse of all of Mark's gospel, the key verse is in chapter 10, and it says this, for the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve ready it's the greatest news you ever hear in your life and to give his life as a ransom listen he rescued me so that I could render Give back to him the things that are his. Listen, if this doesn't inspire you, I have no words I could string together in any order. He did it so that we could do it. And listen, rendering to God... What is God's, whether that's our marriages, whether that's our money, whether that's our work, rendering to God what is God's, that only becomes difficult when his grace stops being amazing to us. He gave his life. So let's get really practical. Listen, we have to always Get practical with what we read from God's word. Here's how I want us to get practical this week, maybe this season. Where are you not rendering to God what is God's? Like, oh, thank you, Brad. I think I will ponder that this week, and I appreciate you asking that question. No, I want to make you even more uncomfortable. Would you have the courage to go to those who love you the most and ask them, where am I not rendering to God what is God's? And then would you have the courage and humility to receive the answer? one more phrase and I don't want us to miss it because I believe every word of God is gold and they marveled at him 
They thought they had him. He answered and such, they didn't see that answer coming and they marveled at him. So go to your back pocket. Who were they talking to? They, they asked Jesus a question. They, or they, they, they told Jesus, they, they flattered him saying that he teaches the true things of God, but then they didn't ask a question about God and they were talking to God. And he answered and they marveled. And listen, marveling, yes, I would say that is an appropriate, but it's not an altogether complete and proper response. You see, they marveled at him and then there's a period and it's sad because everyone that marveled at him that day, they are eternally separated from him right now with no chance of ever being brought back into his presence. Marveling is not enough. And I love you enough to tell you this. Okay, let us marvel at our king, but then let us leave all that we have to follow him. Let us marvel at our king, and then let us fall on our face to worship him. Because his grace is that amazing. And God, I pray somehow you take all my gibberish and you let it fall to the floor and you take the truth of your word and you will somehow allow that to invade hearts in this place this morning. God, in this room, there is at least one person who has not given their life to you. May, may you invade that heart and someone in here pass from death to life and that they render their life to you for the very first time. But God, there are people in here, they know you, they're following you, and they haven't rendered their money to you, they haven't rendered their marriages to you, Lord. Lord, they haven't rendered their work to you, their kids to you, whatever it is, would you take the truth of Scripture and use it? by the power of your spirit and in the name of Jesus, would you do that in this place? Stand with me. So we're going to come to the table. Listen, we do this every week on purpose because I don't ever want the people of Hill City to stop being amazed by the grace of God. We come to the table, bread will be broken, representing the body of our King broken for you. Oh, what a grace. And then it's dipped into a cup, representing the blood of Jesus spilled for you. Oh, what grace. It's the happiest meal of the week. What a joy to come to the table. What a joy to render the things back to God which are already His. Let's come to the table.